Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. We've been talking about God's promises and that they enable us to live in the kingdom of heaven. And 2 Peter 1.4 says this, and it's an incredible, incredible scripture. It's like a promise within a promise. And it says, He has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world. And if you ever just felt like, you know what, I want to escape the corruption of the world. I don't want to be in it. I don't want to be depressed. I don't want to be in some relationship I shouldn't be in. I don't want to be addicted to this or addicted to that. God says that he gives us his great promises that we might partake, be participants in his divine nature and escape the corruption of the world. Now, that that sounds like I made it up because it's too good to be true, but that is what the Word says. And so if we take the Word as truth and we live that way, then we can actually live within the kingdom of heaven, partaking in the divine nature of God and escaping the corruption of the world. We can actually live that way and teach our children to live that way and that's what we're learning right now and that's what I'm so excited because I'm living that way and and I'm very convicted to teach my children to live that way and yet we can't give away what we don't have right we always want the best for our children and we want them to know this and know that but you can't give away what you don't have you may want something for your grandchildren. You may say, you know, I didn't um, know what to teach my children when they were children. I want my grandchildren to know this. You can't give away what you don't have. You have to have it first. And the world needs you to have it because we need to have Christians that are shining like lights on a hill that people are attracted to, that people are saying, I want to have what they have. And not monetarily necessarily, not circumstantially necessarily, but looking at them perhaps in a trial that they're going through, because the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. So we know even those righteous, which is us, we are God's righteousness in Christ Jesus, If you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God doesn't look down at you right now and go, oh man, we've still got a lot of work to do. Some of us feel that way. God doesn't look down at you and go, okay, how how often are you going to promise the same thing and and not do it? Uh Uh-huh, yeah. He doesn't do that. He looks down at you and he sees, and the angels see, the spirit world sees that you are eternal eternally going to heaven. You're not even a temporary being. Your body is, but you have Jesus and you're eternal and you have the God of life. You You have life in you. You actually have the kingdom of heaven in you. And so we can actually choose to live in the nature that God has put in us. But interestingly enough, we, when you become a Christian, when you ask for God. Jesus, to forgive your sins. When you say, I believe that he is the son of God, and, and some of us are more cynical than others, and of course I had to do lots of archaeological studies. I received the Lord when I was four, but then I had to just you know, later research it all and make sure it's mine because it, it, it is a personal relationship between you and God. God doesn't have grandchildren. And some people think that he does. You know, oh, my parents are Christians, so, you know, I am too. Well, no, it doesn't work that way. 
God only has children. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, when you ask for Jesus to come to your heart, forgive your sins, the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God, enters into you. And you become eternal. You're on your way to heaven. You have the potential of God in you. You are greater than they that are in the world. The one that's in, within you is greater than he that's within the world. You're an overcomer. You have all that you need for victory in you over every circumstances, over every temptation, over every sin. You have that in you. But it has to be developed. We have to be changed. We have to be not conformed to this world, but transformed. How? By the renewing of our mind. How? With the Word of God. We are changed and changed and changed and become stronger and stronger and stronger. And that's what the enemy knows. So when you become a Christian, what he wants to do is just keep you out of the Bible. And if you are in the Bible, he wants to keep people in your life that are going to explain away the promises so that you don't really receive what the Word is saying, so that you uh, receive it as just sort of a spiritual message that's supposed to make us feel good. The Word of God is true. And, and if, if I could, like, leave you all with anything, um, I'm, I'm going to have back surgery on May 5th, so that'll I'll, I'll be finishing this class the Sunday before that, whenever that is. If I could leave you with anything before summer just to, to really grab onto, it would be this. Don't change your theology. Don't change, um, how, let, me, let me reword it. The word is true. Don't change the word for your circumstances, to fit your circumstances. Don't change the word to fit your tradition. Don't change your word to fit what your favorite speaker said because it sounds better and it fits and it makes more sense. Don't change the word to make more sense. The word is true and the people that receive the miracles of the word, the people that can live an abundant life regardless of their circumstances, the people that can rise above and not fake victory but really have victory, really have joy, really have peace are the ones that say this word is true and they don't deviate at all, even if their circumstances are not lining up. Abraham and Sarah's circumstances certainly didn't line up with the word of God. God literally told Abraham he'd be the father of many nations, that his descendants would be like the stars of the sky, and he got to be 100 years old before he even had a child. And can you imagine? That's when your circumstances aren't lining up. And, and can you imagine? I mean, he and Sarah are going through the changes of life, it really looks like the word is not true. And yet, God followed through with his word. See, his timing's just not our timing. And so, what we need to do is not try to explain it. Maybe not even explain it to ourselves. I'm, I'm, at a, I'm, I'm such a, like an analyzer and a, you know, I need to understand this. I need to understand this, you know. And, and so, just like business statistics at UT, I need to understand it. And I finally just said, I don't care. I just need to pass it. And then I did really well. <laughs> God's promises enable us to live in the kingdom of heaven. I want to encourage you to look at Second Peter 1.4. Don't let it go. I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this because it says he has given us 
his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world. That should make you want to tear, open your Bible and go, what are the promises? What are the promises that I might have the divine nature of
God and escape the corruption of the world. What are they? There are so many. And we're going to talk about some huge ones this morning that if you walked out with just the information that I gave you this morning, not information, it's truth that gives revelation, that, that helps us to have complete um, metamorphosis into being different persons with different thought processes. The Word changes you. There's no such thing as, as you can't teach a, a, an old dog new tricks. And there's no such thing as, well, you know what, it's just not my nature to encourage. I've heard people say that. It's just not my nature to reach out to people. It's just not my nature. What's God's nature? If you're a Christian, you're supposed to have God's nature. Your own personality, but God's nature. And your personality that's God-given plus God's nature actually ends up being the gift that you give this earth, the part of the body that you become. And then the body, the body of Christ, is strong and loving and powerful and influential. Are we? See, I think there's a whole lot of Christians running around that have God's nature in them, but they live just out of their own nature and personality. They're not changed. Matter of fact, if you didn't know, if they didn't say, if they didn't have a bumper sticker on their car, you'd have no idea that they were Christian. Matter of fact, with the bumper sticker, you're like, what was that they just did with their hand? Uh, That was really bad. So we need to have our nature change. Nature comes from the Greek word phu, meaning to puff or blow. I remembered that from school that I had to look it up. What is it called? I know Lori knows. When a word sounds like what it is. It's onomatopoeia. Do you all remember that? And, and I think it's just so interesting that nature in the Greek sounds like what it is. God's nature, meaning to puff or blow, sounds like air blowing. So it's full. But see, that's how we receive God's nature. God breathed life into Adam. And Adam had the nature of God. And if he had not taken of the fruit of the tree of good and evil, he would have never died. But he had the nature of God. He even lived to be, what, 900 years? Even with sickness and disease that came in with the fall. Adam had the nature of God. God breathes nature of uh, his nature in us when we receive Jesus as Lord. We actually have God breathe into us. As he breathed into Adam, you receive the breath of God, the life of God, the Holy Spirit. And then some of us cry out and say, God, I've got to have more of you, more of you, more of you. And that is what happened at Pentecost, and they received the Holy Spirit, and then you have more of the breath of God, the very nature of God breathed into you. It's interesting as humans, the one thing that we don't think about very much, but that we have to do all the time is breathe. And I've thought about that often, you know, why does God, what, why? What's the point? You don't think that maybe it was a reminder to Adam God breathed life into you. You have to continue to breathe and depend on him. Your dependence on him is like every breath you take. And it's pride to think anything else. Don't forget. I don't think we've ever even thought about it. God's nature is his very breath into us. Jesus, the word, breathes life into us every time we hear it. Did you know that? Every time you hear the word of God, it, it not only never returns void, 
without accomplishing that for which God sent it. That's what the Bible says. So I can just throw a scripture out and it will not return void, especially if you have fallow ground. If you have ground that's been broken up and and you have um, an open heart and, and you're ready for the seeds of the word to be planted in you, then that word can reap amazing returns. But it's the nature of God that comes through when the word of God is, is given out. Jesus says, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Spirit and life. The words I speak to you are spirit and life. They're spirit and life. And sometimes when I get too much into this world and I get too much into my circumstances and I get too much into the impossibilities and I get too much into the sadness and I get too much into myself and I get too much into the things that I should have done differently and I get too much into what I didn't do that I should have done and what I did that I should... And and I start to feel just overwhelmed and and sad and, and despondent. What do you need? You need life. You need truth and life. You need God's in you. Because all around us is death, if you want to look at it. I mean, really, if you just turn on the evening news, it's not only that people died, but it's just death that they're doing. Taking drugs and robbing, and that's death. Child abuse is death. I mean, it's death. It's evil. It's dark. And we just get in it and in it and in it and see it and hear it and take it in and take it in. And we need to be taking in life. Because why do we wonder, why am I heavy? You know, why do I feel a little bit sad? Why do I feel sort of anxious? Well, there's death all around you and that's what you're taking in. And are you taking in any life? Because the word is life. I can promise you, I can go from a mood where I'm about to call Lacey and go, that's it, we're going to sell our house and move to an island and ask God to take us up. And, and I think he, and he might. He might. If I cry hard enough, he might. I can go from that mood and get in the Word and read, I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. His life is inside me. All things work for good to those that... Love God and are called according to His purpose. Don't become weary in doing good. I I can read the word of life and be so excited. Walk out of there and be ready, ready with my charge card to go to Target. (laughs) I just had to get your attention. It's either that or walk in front of the speakers. Take your choice. The more of God's life you have in you, the more your nature is changed to be like God's nature. Every father should want to represent God to their children and to their wife. You know, the word says that husbands are supposed to love their wives as Christ loved the church. That's sacrificial love. If every husband did that, do you think it would be hard at all for a wife to put him first and and just honor everything he said and respect him? See, because that's what the Word says. And then wives, respect your husbands, honor your husbands. How easy would that be if your husband is sacrificing everything for you, putting you first and loving you, caring about you? And Lacey and I don't have a perfect marriage, but 
It works. That works. What doesn't work is when he's trying to get his way and I'm trying to get my way and I'm trying to get him to see my way without him knowing that I'm trying to get him to see my way, (laughs) which is the best way. What works is rushing to be the first one to say I'm sorry. What works is, is wanting to be the one that can sacrifice. What works is, is getting back in the Word as a family, as a couple. But it starts with you. You know, there are a lot of people that just yearn and yearn and yearn for their husband or their wife to do something. Or they yearn and yearn and yearn for somebody else to do something, their child. Well, why don't you get in the Word and breathe life? And then you'll see all things are possible with God. That's what Luke 137 says. You'll see your prayers move mountains. That's what Mark says. You'll see that if you ask God anything on earth, it'll be done in heaven. You're asking in faith. You're changing your nature. It's like God's nature. And that is how it's easy to change, is to get the word in us to change. The life of God changes us, not our um, trying. If, if trying worked, then we would all be in good shape because I can probably look around and say most of you are triers, you know. Most people that get up and get dressed and go to church are trying something, you know. But it's so much beyond that. It's, it's getting into the Word and getting life in you. And that's the one thing that the enemy will try to stop more than anything else. How come when you, when you watch television, you can stay up till 12 a.m., but when you open your Bible, you fall asleep and you wake up and you have the Bible on your face? You know, we need to pray before we open the Word and go, God, lead me to the Scriptures that will give me life. I need death pushed out of me. I need the things that I've seen and I've heard and the, just the defilement that has been put in me, out of me. I need to forget that. And I need to go on to be the creature that you want me to be, full of joy, thinking on those things that are good and true and pure and of good report. That's what we're told to think upon. Do you? You know, if you want to know what kind of mood you're in, just think about what you're meditating on, and then you'll know. Are you meditating on life and truth and accepting God's Word as a child and having joy and saying, God, change me, and and I trust you, and I know you can turn all this around, and Joel 2.25 is true, that you can restore the years the locusts have eaten, or are you meditating on your past mistakes or the person that won't change or what you um, wish could happen, but you can't make it happen. You know, I'd much rather not have another surgery. I really would rather not. But I'm trusting God, and I'm not going to meditate on that. I'm not going to think about, what can I do? I've prayed about it, and I need this medal out. It's to get the last medal out that they put in two years ago. I need it out. And so I am trusting God that, things are going to be better when it's out. And if he sends me a very big sign or word or says to my husband or we both agree, let's not do it, then we won't do it. But in the meantime, and you know life goes from one meantime to another. You know that, don't you? There's very few periods where it's all joy and it's all bliss and I have so much. I have nothing to worry about, nothing. My children are perfect. My husband is perfect, and I am perfect. 
and all my friends are perfect, and no one offends me ever, and I have nothing to worry about. You know, you need to check that person's medicine cabinet or something. (laughs) We go from one meantime to another. You know, well, in the meantime, you know, well, I know you're having surgery in a month, but what are you doing in the meantime? I'm having joy wherever I can have it. I, I thought your back hurt all the time. It does. I can't do anything about that. I mean, if, if crying and begging and being angry and being all of that, I've done all of it. I've done all of it, so I just have to trust God. But I'm not going to change the word to line up with my circumstances. See, the word says that God is my Jehovah Rapha, that he's my great physician. And the word says that he's my healer. So I'm not going to change the word. I know that I'm going to be standing up speaking um, without pain. I just know that. I know that in my heart. I know that your life can turn around to a place where you will not even recognize the way that you were. There are some people in this room that have never even experienced happiness. Let's do it today. You know, let's trust God for that today. More life, more life in us. The more life we have, the more of God's words we have, the more life we have. Jesus says, I am the way, I'm the truth, and I am the life. And so when we read his word, because he's the word, he's the Logos word of God, we get the life, breath of God. And it's like we breathe in truth and we breathe out lies and we breathe in truth and we breathe out sadness and we breathe in truth and we change. It's alive. So what about his promises? This word says in 2 Peter 1.4 that he's given us great and precious promises so that through them, so it is through the promises that we participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world. It's saying that through his promises, you live in the kingdom of God. And you know what that tells me? That tells me that there are some things that are unconditional with God, and then there are some things that are very conditional. And most of his promises are conditional. They're conditional that you believe them. They're conditional that you obey him. Not perfectly but that you have a heart that desires to. God's love is unconditional, but we teach people that everything else is unconditional too, and the inheritors of promises are those that are not just children, we're God's children, but those that become his sons and his daughters. And they know what their inheritance is. They know what the promises are, and they don't accept anything less than that. If I know I can live in the kingdom of heaven, then I shouldn't accept anything less than that. I should want to know more of the promises so that I can live in the kingdom of heaven even more. One of the things that are his promises that are the best to know today are his names. His names are the promises of God. And I'm going to go through this very quickly. I have a a teaching, I guess we have it on CD, about the names of God But it's so important that you know his name. And we'll be reading why. He says, he says he will deliver those who know his name. He says that he will will accomplish the promise. He will do what the word is supposed to do in your life if you know his name. And so we need to know his name. Jehovah Raha. 
is the Lord our shepherd. And God is our shepherd. He wants to lead us. I love that vision of a shepherd with sheep because I forget that and sometimes I don't know if I'm being led by God or not and I have an easy way to figure it out. (laughs) I go, Kathleen, are you led or are you driven? Because see, cattle are driven. Seen my dad drive cattle and there's dust flying and there's cattle going everywhere and it's a mess, you know. He loves it, but I think it's a mess. Don't tell him I said that. Sheep are led, cattle are driven. Half the time we're driven. We're like just driven. We need to realize that's not the Lord. The Lord doesn't drive. The enemy drives. Your flesh drives. People drive. But God doesn't drive. The Holy Spirit leads. He's our shepherd. There's so much in that. He's our protector. He's the protector of the sheep. He's the provider of the sheep. And it's interesting because in this teaching that I've done before, every name of God is in Psalm 23. Psalm 23 actually um, metamorphosizes um, us as we read it. It, It's life-changing, especially if you read it not in the context of, of tradition, but you read it in the context of, okay, I'm reading this for the first time ever. You know, every time I open the Bible, I just want to go, God, you know, clean the slate. Let me read this for the first time ever. So here are the promises of God. They're the names of God. So that means that's what he is to us always. And if our circumstances don't line up with it, we don't change the word for our circumstances. We say, well, then our circumstances will be changed by the word. That's what Abraham did, right? Even though he looked like a crazy person, well, then my circumstances will be changed by the word. And when he became impatient and said, okay, the word isn't going to work in my life. God gave Abraham a promise. You're going to be the father of many nations. But then he got to be, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90. I mean, that starts to, you know, your friends are like, okay, are you really sure that's what God said, and, and, and they'll say that to you too. Are you sure that's what God said, Kathleen, that he's your healer? Are you sure? Are you sure? I'm sure. I can't change my circumstance for the word. I wish I could change his timing because, see, God, he, he's never, he's never um, late, but he's never early either. I just wish he'd be early. You know what I mean? Like he'd pray and happen, pray, happen, pray, happen. That's why if you want your prayers answered, you just tell a new Christian because he does that for new baby Christians. He does. As a matter of fact, I'm, I have an idea right after class. Um, I want to, I do, I um, want to share some of his other names. Jehovah Shammah is the Lord ever-present. He's ever-present with you. He will never leave you, never forsake you. Jehovah Ma'uz is the Lord our strength. He is the strength of my life. He is the sustenance of my life. Read the Psalms. I mean, David talks about God being his strength. And so when you feel weak, you need to have God as your strength. When, when my mom found out that I had leukemia and that it, wasn't a, that it was a very bad picture, um, she told my sister, I, I can't do this. I just can't do this. I can't do this. She said that she was in the house and 
Um, I don't know exactly how she found out, but she found out, and it was like, and Kathleen has not long to live or whatever without chemo, and she has a 50-50 chance with chemo, and it's AML, and it's everywhere. My mom said, I can't do this, and my sister went up to her and said, yes, you can do this. You've got God in you. See, God is your strength. And mom rose up and, and was with me and had strength the whole time to be with me. When you feel like I can't do this anymore and I'm at the end of myself, good, you're at the beginning of God's strength and say, God, you are my Jehovah Ma'uz. And I just thank you that you're going to take over. You take over. I don't want to have, I don't want to be the strong person. I want to trust you. Jehovah Nisi is the Lord our banner. That means protection. Jehovah Sidkenu is the Lord our righteousness. Jehovah Jireh is the Lord our provider. Jehovah Shalom is the Lord our peace. Jehovah Rapha is the Lord our healer. And I'm telling you that because God says that if we know his name, he will fulfill his promises. If you look here, I'm going to skip over to something. John 14, 13, and 14 says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask anything in my name, and I'll do it. What is that name? The name of Jesus that fulfills all the other names. So Jesus is our healer. Jesus is our shepherd. Jesus is our provider. That name is above every other name. Psalm 91, 14 and 15 says, Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. I mean, he's talking about people. I will protect him. I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he's known my name. You've known the name of Jehovah Maus, the Lord my strength, and you've not moved from that. And he becomes your strength. The word never changes, but the word changes everything else. The word changes impossible circumstances. The word healed me of leukemia. The word changes everything in our lives. But yet we try to change the word to fit what we're experiencing. And if Abraham had done that, what a mess. I mean, he did kind of try to help God fulfill the promise, and he created Ishmael. And now we're having a lot of problems. And that's what we do too. Okay, God gave a promise and it's not really working, so I'm going to help him. And then we create all these little Ishmaels in our lives and it creates big problems. Just trusting God and saying, I don't understand your timing, but I trust you and you are who you say you are. I so encourage you all too to look at the words of God. Really look at the words of God. And look at the names of God and study them and be excited about them because that means that you can call upon them. That means that Psalm 91, 14, and 15, you can claim for you because he has set his love upon me. Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he's known my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and I will honor him. Anyone want that prayer answered for yourself? Why? Because he's known my name. See, a lot of people don't even know the promises of God or the names of God. They don't even know the promises of God and the names of God. And when you know the promises of God and the names of God, then you know the character of God and then you can trust God. 
we have such a hard time trusting God. And it's because we don't know his name and we don't know his character. We don't know his word. I want the life of God so breathed in me that even if someone's around me, they receive the life of God. I mean, when, when people, when Peter passed by people who were sick or depressed or in pain, his, his shadow would heal them. And, and, and I think that we can get to that place where we're filled with God so much that it truly, truly reaches out to the world and changes the world. I don't think that the world needs another, more, another human nature. I, mean, I have a human nature, you know, but I want God's nature. My human nature gets me in a lot of trouble. And my human nature thinks about one thing. Me. How am I looking? What am I thinking? Who's being nice to me? And you know what? I always know when my human nature is taking over because then I'm thinking, so-and-so didn't say hi to me. It's about me. What do I need? I need this. And then we go to counseling. The counselor goes, what do you need? Think about your needs. And it's like, where's that in the Bible? What do you need? It's about you. It's about God's nature so changing us that our nature becomes his nature. And when you get to that place, you don't have people that you haven't forgiven. You don't have, no one has a hold on you. You are so free. You're not worried about death. You're not worried about anything. You know the names of God. You know your God and you trust him and, and you walk in the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are around you. Either God will just help you to rise above them or they'll just have to change. That is faith. That is the true word of God. We can't really know the promise, which is Jesus, without believing and acting upon God's promises. We really can't. I mean, you can trust somebody, but it's only when you begin acting upon that trust that it's really activated. Do you know what I'm saying? You can trust a friend and trust a friend, and then they say, well, I'll be, I'll be there for you when you need me, and you say, I really trust that friend, but you're not really trusting them until you say, I've got to do something that's emergency. Can you go be at my house with my infant and my four-year-old, and it's four in the morning. I'm leaving now. I just need you to come. That's trust. Okay, they're going to come. They're going to take care of my children. That's action. And we're not really trusting God until we have action. We're just, it's, we're just using mouth, words, which don't mean anything. We can't really believe and act upon God's promises to us without knowing the promiser. And God is the promiser. Jesus is the promise. The promise is the word. Jesus is the word. So we've got to get into the promises of God in order to know him, to trust him, and to live in the kingdom of God. 1 John three twenty three and 24 says, And this is his command. So this is New Testament. You know, sometimes when people read Old Testament, some Christians check out and they go, well, that's Old Testament. Well, the New Testament fulfilled the Old Testament. So if there's any great promises in the Old Testament, like Psalm 103, verse 1 through 7, that says that God heals all of our diseases, forgives all of our sins, redeems our life from the pit, crowns us with loving kindness and compassion, and restores our youth like the eagle, that's an Old Testament promise that would even be fulfilled and more given in the New Testament because the New Testament is called a new and better covenant. 
And if it's called a better covenant, it has to fulfill, as Jesus said he would fulfill, all the promises of the Old Testament. Here it is in the New Testament, 1 John 3:23 and 24. And this is his command to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ. So we have to believe in his name. We have to believe he's our Savior. We have to believe he's our healer. We have to believe he's our strength, our redeemer. We have to believe that he's our eternity. We have to believe that he'll be our provider, our Jehovah Jireh, when we need him. We have to believe that. He'll work all things for good in our life. We have to believe that even if our circumstances don't seem to line up the word, that we don't change what the word says in order to fit our circumstances. We are to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. I think that's so significant because the Bible talks so much about Christ living in you and you living in him. God living in you and you living in him. And see, there's a difference. We're supposed to be doing both. When you become a Christian, God comes and lives inside you and he'll never leave you or forsake you. But you can choose whether or not to live in him. You can choose whether or not to live in his kingdom or not. Living in his kingdom is knowing his promises and living in his kingdom protected from the corruption of the world. And that doesn't mean you're not going to ever see anything bad and nothing bad is ever going to happen. It just means that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. You know you'll be delivered. You know you'll be helped. You know there's going to be a good ending to it. So we have to choose to live in the kingdom of heaven, and it's a choice by knowing the word, opening the word, knowing his promises. I just pray that you all leave and and just say, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me to know where to start to read and get the words of life in me. If you ever start to just feel down, open up the word and trust that the words in red, Jesus' words, will breathe life into you. And ask for God to change your nature to be more like his nature. Then you're living in the kingdom of heaven. How can we invite others to live in the kingdom of heaven and to want to be a believer in Jesus Christ and, and not even believe his own promises or know his character? Or We have no enthusiasm in that because we don't know him really. He wants us all to know, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your truth and your light and your love. And I just really come against, you tell us in Matthew 18, 18, that whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And I really come against any spirit of confusion or frustration, um, Lord Jesus, or being overwhelmed. I just thank you, Lord, that you don't drive you lead anyone who's feeling driven right now, who's feeling overwhelmed. I just pray the peace of God over you right now. And that you would ask him to lead you in your relationship with him, in your life decisions. Father, just lead me.
be his child and let him be your almighty father. See the wondrous things that he will do in your life. But trust him because he will do it, not you. Lead us. We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll-free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWitten.org, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. Thank you.